Let's give it up for the band who did an awesome job tonight. Well done, Elijah. Well, good evening and what a treat it is to be here at Ozark Christian College. You know, these, this, this college hosts this because they care about you. So let's give it up for Ozark for hosting all of us here. Yeah. I got to tell you, I am a big fan of Christian colleges. I think there's so many reasons that we could rattle off about why that ought to be on your uh, on your screen. And you've got a long ways to go before you have to make those decisions yet. Um, I, for the last two years, I've been working with a Christian college that's in another part of the United States. It's Pepperdine University in Malibu, California. Uh, how many have ever been out to California, just out of curiosity? Okay, cool, cool. Uh, have any of you ever been to Pepperdine, the, the, the campus itself? Okay. Anybody ever been to Los Angeles? Okay. How many will not raise your hand? No matter what question I ask you, you won't. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate that honesty. Um, this, this is where I get to work. I'm really blessed. The big blue thing there is the ocean and, uh, our, our campus is just right next to the beach which has some good things and some kind of crazy things because um, one of the chapel services that we have, instead of being in our, in our beautiful chapel or being in our gymnasium, we call it surf chapel. And on Thursday mornings at 6 a.m., there's about 200 of our students that go down to the beach and they have Bible study and then they go surfing. Uh, and yes, some of them have waterproof Bibles. Uh, they actually make those so that they can be out there paddling and reading and then do whatever surfers do, you know, ride the tube or the wave or I don't even know. I'm not a surfer, so I don't know surfer language. Anybody here surf? Yeah, not a lot of surfing in Missouri. Okay, all right. Yeah, a couple here. Um, I am really excited because this whole change in my life leads us right where we need to get to tonight and right here to what's inside this box. You see, when, when we moved, I was in Charlotte, North Carolina for 17 years. Charlotte is a beautiful city in the South. And we moved all the way to Malibu, California. Now, Malibu may be best known, besides for Pepperdine University, uh, a Christian university, it is also known as the place where many of the stars live. And by that, I mean movie stars. I was at the uh, grocery store about three weeks ago. I walked around the corner, was trying to find somebody to ask somebody where a certain kind of cheese was that my wife wanted. And uh, the grocer was there talking to a lady, and I'm waiting. And finally, I said, excuse me, can I ask a quick question? I need some shredded, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, over that way. And I, and I looked at the lady, and I said, I apologize for butting it. It was Jessica Alba. Uh, yeah, she's one of the Fantastic Four. I forget which one she is, but uh, I was like, oh, okay, ah. And I turned and walked away and thought, oh my goodness. But she was just dressed in normal clothes and had a ball cap on and glasses. It's just, it's just kind of a weird thing, which means that there are rules for living there in Malibu, which is if you see a star, you don't mess with them. My, my son was eating in a restaurant the other day and, and Emma Stone was sitting uh, uh, at a table across the way and he, he was like, she was there with her mom, I think, because they were talking. And, and of course, he has this major crush on Emma Stone. And, and I said, well, did you go up and say hi? And my wife says, no, you do not do that. You do not say hi. You do not ask for a selfie. You do not try and, you know, I said, you get a picture? He goes, well, I tried to, but, you know, her mom was in the way. Showed me a picture of an old lady's back. And so I, um, I, I said, well, Catherine, do you really? She says, no, those are the rules for living here. You have to do that. 
She said, I ran into Gary Busey at the post office. You do not talk to those people. A friend of mine pulled up at a stoplight, looked over, and Bruce Willis was in the car next to him. And I said, what'd you do? I just drove on. I just drove on. So I had a real test. Early one morning, not too long ago, I was down at the Ralph's grocery store, and I came around the corner, and pushing a cart in my direction is Dick Van Dyke. I know, I know. This is not just like a star. This is an icon. Now, for those of you who are going, who's Dick Van Dyke? Um, anybody here ever seen the movie Mary Poppins? It's an old one. Your moms and dads loved it. That's Dick Van Dyke, okay? You know, Chim Chimmery. Or did anybody see Night at the Museum? Did, have you watched that on a man that? Okay, he's the guy in the middle now that he's old. That's him now. So, so I'm walking down the, down the aisle and I see him and I'm like, oh. And, and I wanted to say something, because I loved his movies, and ask your, your sponsors about the Dick Van Dyke show. Um, so I'm, so I'm, I'm pushing, some of them are going, what's that? I'm, I'm pushing my cart, and I think, what would be a cool thing to say? I want to say something cool. I don't want to be just lame, like, you're Dick Van Dyke, you know? So, so I'm, I'm pushing my cart, and I'm trying to think, and I couldn't come up with something. And he just kept pushing by me, you know, buying peanut butter and stuff, and he, he just pushed it by, and I was like, I missed it. I miss him. No. I said, I cannot do this. So I turned my cart around. And I just started following him through the store. Now I'm stalking, you know. I'm like, he would stop, I would stop. Because I was trying to think of the right thing to say, and then I realized all I wanted to say. And when he turned by the bacon, I kind of cut around beside him, and I said, Mr. Van Dyke. And he said, Yes. Because if he just said no, that would have been embarrassing. He forgot who he is. Anyway, I said, Mr. Van Dyke, I just need to say thank you. I want to say thank you for tons of laughter and joy that you've given to me and my family through the years. And he goes, that is so nice. What is your name? And I was like, I don't know. I, I you know, I was really, I was, I, Chim Chimmery. Uh, I, I just, you know. It's Jeff. Jeff. Oh, Jeff. Well, pleased to meet you. Where are you? I work at Pepperdine. I love Pepperdine University. Some kids from there came over and gave me a birthday, birthday party when I was 89. I said, wow, that's amazing. And I realized when I get home, my boys are going to go, you did not see Dick Van Dyke. Because I hadn't seen many celebrities at all at this point in our journey. And I knew that the only way that I, that, that, if, that if, I, if I got home, that I would have to have proof. So uh, I broke a rule. That's my selfie with Dick Van Dyke. Yeah, he was so sweet about. It. I know. He was so. He was so nice. I got home and my, my wife, you know, I, my boys said, you did not. And I said, bam. And they're like, oh my goodness, you did, dad. That's so cool. And my wife was just looking at me and shaking her head. She said, you know the rules. I said, you know, there's just too many rules. It's just, it's just too, too complex. Because while I enjoy things like that, what I hate is summertime in Malibu because we're right on the ocean. And, and so this is what the street outside our house uh, punch that button there, often looks like. Yeah, just like that. It's just, it's ridiculous. I mean, the freeways are jammed and the roads are jammed and it's just like, ah. 
Did you ever have a time in your life where you felt like your life was kind of like that? So many things going on. I saw this picture and I saw this is even more of what my life is like. Like I've got plugs plugged into my plugs, plugged into my plugs because there's so much complexity. Everybody say complexity. <laughs> my favorite complexity thing is that my wife bought a new phone. Um, she didn't go in to buy a phone. We went in just to get my son's phone fixed. But she got in there and this great salesman, this has been several years ago, the great salesman goes, ma'am, is that your phone? And she goes, yeah. He says, wow, you know, do, can you get pictures and videos on your phone? No, she said, I can't. Would you like to? Do you have kids who live in other states? And she goes, yeah. Well, what if you could just look at them right on your phone? What if you could talk to them on your phone with a video? Now, my wife, who is not a big into technology, goes, a phone can do that? <laughs> and this guy goes, oh, yes, ma'am. A fo- follow me. And I know we're toast. We're signing up for another two years of indentured servitude because my wife is over there talking to this guy. And he says, you know, for just $99, you can get this and sign this. And he said, not only this, but look at all the things you could do. Now, this is the first smartphone my wife had gotten. And, and it was a good one. I forget what kind it was. It wasn't even an iPhone. But it really was a cool phone. He spent 25 minutes showing her 30 different things that this phone could do. And by the time she got it in the bag, she was like she was driving a new car. She was so proud. We walked out of the phone store and she said, I've got a better phone than you. Because she was, she's not in technology at all. And I said, baby, you do. I, I, I'm going to have to upgrade mine. But I, I checked and it's going to be six more months. All right, we'll wait six more months. She said, this is so cool. This is the coolest phone I've ever. This is so, we get in the car. <laughs> you appreciate this. We get in the car and she says, Kathy's not going to believe this. Good friend. Kathy's not going to believe I have a phone like this. I said, no, she's going to be so shocked. I said, why don't you call her? And she said, okay, hand me your phone. I said, what? So hand me your phone. Why? So I can call Kathy. I said, sweetheart, you have a brand new phone that they just made your work. She said, yeah, I know, but I forget how to make a phone call. Just hand me your phone. Now, I don't say that because my wife is dumb because she's not at all. I say that because it is possible to become so complicated that you can't make a phone call with a phone. Exactly. That your world becomes so filled with stuff that what's really important gets away. This weekend, we want together to unlock some secrets. And the first one we're going to unlock is the secret to a great life. The secret, which oddly enough, is just one thing. Raise up your finger and say one thing. Whisper to the person next to you, it's just one thing. Exactly. Now, of course, the big question is, what is the one thing that we need in order to really unlock the secret to a great life? And the good news is that somebody actually asked that question of Jesus. In the book of Mark, the 12th chapter, there is a, uh, a Pharisee, which was one of the Jews who was basically like a lawyer, who comes up to Jesus and asks him a classic stump the rabbi question. Now, there are a lot of Stump the Rabbi questions, but this one was one of the most often asked questions. It goes like this. Here, let's take a look at the text. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. That's the question the Sadducees asked about, you know, whose wife will a person who's been married multiple times be in heaven? He asked him, can I get everybody to read this with a snotty attitude? Let's try it. 
of all the commandments, which is the... Oh, no, no. When you say most important, it's got to be like most important. Let's try it one more time. Of all the commandments, which is the... There you go. Now, this version of this Stump the Rabbi question had been asked for years. It's been asked in different forms. But basically, they're saying, we know there are ten major commandments. Everybody here know the Ten Commandments, right? Just nod. Make your VBS teachers feel good, okay? Let's see if we can say it. I'll show show you how my mom taught me to memorize the Ten Commandments. Put your thumb up like this and say, have no other gods before me. Put your finger up like this, only do it like this. And say, no idols. Good. Tap your mouth like this and say, don't use the Lord's name in vain. Now, put three fingers and three fingers together and make a pillow and say, remember the Sabbath day. Because you rest. Then take your five fingers like this and do like this and do like this. Now, the reason you do like this, who knows sign language? Anybody know what this is? What is this? Father and mother. Yeah, I don't know why mother has a beard, but she does. So, here we go. So, it is honor your and your... See, now that's the first five. Interestingly enough, they all kind of have to do with authority. But then the second five starts with thou shalt not... Yeah, murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Um, Thou shalt not steal, right? Thou shalt not lie, bear false witness. This is the Boy Scout thing. Thou shalt not bear false witness. And the last one is, oh, I want that, I want that, I want that. Thou shalt not... Everybody say covet. Okay, all right. So, which of the ten is the most important command. Now, I know the easy answer is all... It's like when you ask Grandma, Grandma, which grandchild do you love the most? Right? A smart granny will not answer that question. Either that or she will lie through her false teeth to you. I'm telling... I I can tell this. I did... I did a funeral one time for a sweet old lady. Well, I thought she was a sweet old lady at our church. And we had one of those times where we got the family together to, to share some stories so I could know what to say at the funeral. So get this. We're all, we're all sitting at Granny's house. Granny's with Jesus. And we're all sitting at her house. And the kids are all telling stories about Granny and Granny. And finally, one of them goes, you know, Granny told me never to tell this, but about three years ago, I went over to see her and we were sitting talking and she squeezed my hand and she leaned down and said, baby, don't you never tell, but you're my favorite. <laughs> the others were like, she did not. She did. She did. Her brother said, I know that's not true. Because about two years ago, I was with Granny in the park, and she said, don't tell the others, but you're my favorite. So you have to be, I am not lying. You are, wait a minute, Granny told me, she told seven different grandchildren (laughs) that they were all her favorite. Which means, you know, was God going, you did that? Out of here. I don't think so. You know, we're saved by grace. But but I, I, I thought at this moment, I thought, that is amazing. Because no grandparent wants to have to say. I mean, Granny must have heard the song, Love the One You're With. And so she just decided whoever she was with, she'd say, Oh, you're, you're my favorite. Now, the problem is you can't do that with the Ten Commandments. Which is the most important, Rabbi Jesus? Some rabbis had answered it this way. 
The most important commandment is the one you're about to break. Oh, is that good? You got a minute. That's good. That's like puts it on you and you're like, whoa, whoa. that's good, right? But Jesus' answer is even better. Everybody's staring at him. They throw the hard ball, which is the greatest command. You know why it's so, so difficult, right? Because if Jesus says, well, uh, you should have no other God before me. Then they all go, oh, okay, so you don't care about adultery. Good to know, Jesus. No, 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 okay, okay. Adultery is the most important. Oh, adultery is important. So you don't care if people kill each other. Huh, well, well, that's what we're going to put on Facebook right now. Jesus doesn't care if you kill. No, 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 no. You see, you can't do it. You can't pick one except Jesus doesn't pick any, but he picks Well, here, i got to explain. They say, which is the greatest commandment? And everybody's listening. And Jesus goes, the greatest commandment is, and you know what he says? Shema Israel Adonai Elcheno Adonai Echad. Which, of course, is Hebrew. Jesus may have spoken Hebrew as well as Aramaic, but I do know that he knew the Shema because you see, every single Hebrew child was taught that since they were a little kid. It's like, what's, what's, what's the first prayer you learned? What's the first prayer you learned? God is good, God is great. Let us thank him for the steak. Yeah, okay. Um, anybody else? No, now I lay me. Oh my word. Yeah. How many taught? Now I lay me. Down. Can you say it with me? Here we go. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my to keep. If I should die before. Wait a minute. Is that a sick thing to teach a little child? Think about it. You're like four years old. All right, Jimmy, if you die before you even wake up, it's like, <laughs> but. But for most of us, I know, sadistic parents, for most of us, we learn some little root prayer, like, wrote prayer like that. And if you had some great scholar over to your house and you said, sir, what is the greatest principle from scripture? And the man said, the greatest principle from all of theology is Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells you, like, really? Really? Let it go, let it go. I mean, like, come on. That? That's the greatest commandment? Well, Jesus has them all grinning when he says, Shema Yisraeli. As soon as he says Shema, they were all like, oh, he's going to do the Shema. Say it with me. Here, let's see if we can do a little bit of Hebrew. Here, let's, here, in fact, there it is. You just read it. We read it from... We're going to read it from right to left. You won't have any problem with it. Okay, all right, give them a little help. Here we go. It goes like this. Everybody say Shema. Shema. Now that's the word for hear, only it's not the word for I hear you. It's the word for hear, hear. Listen to me. So everybody say Shema. Shema. Now, Yisrael. Right. And then the next word, Israel, is just what it sounds like, is the word Adonai. Try it. Adonai. Now, the word Adonai is the word for Lord. So an Adonai is someone with great power. So the top line, try it with me. Shema Yisrael Adonai. Now the next word is Elohenu. Okay? Yeah, Elohenu. 
Try that. Okay. If there's not spit on the person in front of you, you're not saying it right. One more time. Elochenu. Okay, good. Elochenu is the word for God. So we have Shema Yisrael Adonai, which means here, Israel. The Lord is God. Adonai Elochenu. But then he goes Adonai again. And then he says Echad. Can you say Echad? Now, this is the part of this which I find really intriguing. Because the word echad would also be one of the first words that a little kid would learn. Well, early on, because echad is how you count. In Hebrew, it is the word for one. So here's the direct translation of this line. Listen, Israel. The Lord is God. And the Lord is one. Now, around the circle, there must have been nods as they thought, Whoa. That's not like a a little prayer. That's not like a little rhyme. That's not like a little baby thing. That's, that's, That's profound. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. They would also have known that Moses taught them that because when they came out of Egypt... You guys remember Prince of Egypt? They came out of Egypt where everything was a god. God of the river, God of the sky, God of the ocean, God of the frogs. All those were gods. And then they got out here and God up on the mountain calls Moses up and gives him the Ten Commandments. And then he says, now this is what you tell them. Shema Yisrael. Listen. Listen, Israel. Adonai Elocheinu. The Lord, the Lord is the God. Adonai, everybody say Echad. He's the one. Now, now this can mean a number of things, but here's the phrase that I want to, to begin to burn in your brain. There's one, one. There's only one, one. You can't have two ones. I know in school, one plus one, but that's not what I'm talking about. There's only one, one. The principle that Jesus is trying to get them to understand is made clear what he says next. After he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, then he quotes the beginning of the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt have no other God. Oh, sorry. Uh, Let's go up here. Thou shalt love the Lord your God. Can you read the yellow with me? Here we go. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And then the second commandment he says is like it. Love your as yourself. There is no commandment. Whoa, 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 whoa. English majors, help me. There is no commandment. Is the word commandment plural or singular? Very good. It is singular. If it was plural, it would have a what? S on it. So what did Jesus just do? Jesus took love God and love people and he made it into... Everybody say echad. Yeah. Jesus took love God and love people and he made it into... Echad. Exactly. He said, the Lord your God is... Echad, and that one, here it is, love God and love people. And all the law and the prophets hang on this commandment. There is no singular commandment greater than, here's what's bizarre, these. So he takes the plural and the singular and says, you need to understand this is a mystery that I'm going to unlock for you. If you want to have a great life. Oh, how many times I've heard that phrase. People use it in advertising and stuff like that. 
You want to have a great life. You want to have a great party. You want, you know, it's, it's so much easier if I, can I show you this rather than just tell it to you? Is that okay? All right, good. Um, I need an eighth grade boy. Is there like an eighth grade boy in the house? Hi, dude. What's, what's your name? I apologize. What? Halter. Halter? Coulter. What a cool name. Everybody say hi, Coulter. Coulter, come right up here with me. Coulter. Okay. Here's the deal, Coulter. Stand right here. We are going to demonstrate what having a really great life takes. Okay, Coulter. Some people would say, Coulter, my boy, next year or year thereafter, you're going to be in high school, right? I mean, let me give you the, let me give you the secret about having a great high school experience. One word, Coulter. Friends. You've got to have great friends. Anybody who wants to have a great life needs great friends. Let that ball represent the fact that you have great friends. Because that way, when, you, when you, you know, you're playing on your sports team, do you, you play sports? Mm-hmm. What team? Um, what team? Like baseball, basketball? Or like I don't know. What do you play? I play baseball. You're, you're a baseball player? Cool. Cool. Are you on the baseball team at your school? You're not on the school team? No, we don't have a school team. Coulter, dude, when you get to high school, <laughs> you have to be on a sports team. If, I'm serious. If you want to have, anybody who wants to have a great life in high school needs, needs to be on a sports team, okay? So, you got it? What do we got? Friends and sports. Okay. All right. And that way, when you jump in your car and you got a car, right? You don't have a car? You have your dad's truck. Wait a minute. You've been driving your dad's truck. Do we have an officer here? Have you, do you have, do you have a license? Not technically. Oh, wow. I don't even want to repeat what you just said. Um, let's just be very clear, Coulter. If you don't have a license, you shouldn't be driving. However, that doesn't mean that you can't have a cool car. You get your dad to park the car at the high school. And you just get there early and stand by it. You know, right? Because anybody who wants to have a great high school experience, you want to have a great life, you, you need to have a vehicle. Okay? Because you're going to need your vehicle when you go to your job. Because you got a job, right? You do? Awesome. What kind of job? This is yard work. Yard work? Okay. Coulter, I want you to listen to me. You need to get a job that has a uniform. That's a really great job, okay? Like, you know, like an apron or something, you know, or how would you like fries with that? Okay, all right. So, a really great job with a uniform and the car and the friends. And you're going to be in great shape because you're going to be Instagramming. Do you Instagram? What? You don't have an Instagram account? Are you serious? Coulter, Instagram... All right, Calder, the deal is anybody who wants to have a really great life needs to be on social media. So, wait, Calder, that doesn't mean you don't Snapchat, do you? Nope. You what? Nope. Shake yes or no. Do you Snapchat? No? If you want to have a great life, you've got to be on Instagram and you've got to be on Snapchat. So, here, there you go. Okay, so, the key to a great life. And when you're like doing things with your club at school, you know what I'm talking about? Doing school club? No? Coulter, if you want to have a great life in high school, you need to be involved in club stuff like French club or chess club or... All right, all right. So, um, 
On these? Okay, okay, there you go. So, the simple truth here is that, Coulter, if you want... Coulter, can you look at me while I'm talking to you, please? Thank you. Coulter, if, if you want to... I'm not going to do that again, okay? Coulter, if you want to have a really great experience so that when you and your girlfriend are... Cr- Are you serious? Coulter, if you want to have a great life, you need to have a girlfriend. All right. Are you serious? You're not serious, are you? You really are? Well, you know where the others are. You're like Isaac. We had to send from afar for your girlfriend. Um, (laughs) Do it, man. Do it. Jump shot. Thank you. Okay. Um, what? Just tip your head back. There you go. There you go. Pinch it with your cheek. There you go. That's it. Pinch between your cheek and gum. Uh, No, no, no. I mean, they just hold that right there. Okay, good. Now. What I'm sure all of you are asking yourself right now, not only is how in the world is Coulter supposed to hang on to all this, but in addition to all this, of course, Coulter, in addition to all this, if you want to have a great life, of course, you, you, you better have, well, God in your life. Because Jesus said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is... Echad, one. In fact, the verse that we're going to focus on this evening is right here. Would you just read this verse for me? No, no, I I apologize. I actually want you to read it. I'm not going to read it for you. I just want you to take the Bible and read the verse. No, Coulter, I want you to hold the Bible. Stand up, Coulter. Take the Bible in your hands. You're not going to be able to do it that way, Coulter. There's an obvious choice that you're overlooking. This is the spiritual application point. Now, (laughs) read the verse. No, you're going to have to read it real loud for the old people. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Can you read it one more time, and maybe they'll all just magically read it with you. Here we go. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Coulter, that's amazing. You just did a Vulcan mind meld with the entire... Give Coulter a big round of applause! I so appreciate Coulter being honest. 
Because what he wanted to do is what everybody wants to do. He wanted to try and get it all. He wanted to try and have everything and God. But Jesus said, Marcus, can we clean up, please? But Jesus said, the only way that you're going to have the... But Jesus said, the only way you're going to have the life you want, the secret to unlocking the great vault of joy, the secret to unlocking what holds you back, he said, is knowing one thing. There's only... Yeah. Let's go Hebrew first. There's only... Or in English, there's only one. You got to do it twice. There's only one. A little faster. There's only one. Because when somebody says, who's going to be first? And all of the kids go, oh, I'm going to be first. Then you say, no, 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 no. You can't all be. You can't all. Who's going to be number one? We're all going to be number one. Now, I know, I know. You can all buy number one fingers. We're all number one. But you're not. Okay. In the same way, we have to decide in our life, and you guys are right at this such important age where you get to choose what's number one. What's, what's your echad? What's your number one? It's called setting priorities. You do it all the time without even thinking about it. Let's say you get up a little late. Anybody here ever get up a little late? You get up a little, it's a school day and you get up a little late, you know, and your mom, hurry up, hurry up. You normally do at least three things before you head off to school. You normally get dressed, brush your teeth, have some little bit of breakfast and, and go to school, right? But let's say you get up a little late and you can't do all three. You have to choose one to leave out. Some of you will not brush your teeth. You'll get dressed, run down, eat your breakfast. Y'all go to school with bad breath. I don't care. Others would say, I would never go to school without brushing my teeth. So you'd get dressed, brush your teeth, skip breakfast, and go to school. Still others would say, I'm going to brush my teeth and eat my breakfast, and I'll go in my PJs because I'd have to have my breakfast, and I have to have my breakfast. No, nobody does that, right? Well, maybe some do, okay? So... The most important thing for you and I, and especially if you junior hires will allow me a minute, right where you are, is to decide, and that's what this weekend is in part about. There's so many things you want to unlock. Everybody here should have got a lock. Did you get, did you get a lock? Okay. If you didn't, if you didn't get a lock in a minute, we're going to let you go back because they got some more back there. But if you did get a lock, get your lock out. Now, there is a secret way that I'm going to show you to unlock this lock. So take your lock. Of course, there's a word, interestingly enough, on this lock. Yeah. The way you unlock your life is by deciding who that is. By deciding who is Lord, who is Master. Now, with this particular lock, 
This lock has one thing that will open it. You can, you can chew on it and don't because it won't open it. You could throw it on the ground for a long, long time and all you'll make is a few dents in it and a bunch of marks on the ground. You, you could really, really pull on it and you might get a little exercise, but it's, it's not, not going to open. Because the only thing, the thing that opens this lock is one of these bad boys. And when you do, see, the funny thing about it is, it's a simple thing. I mean, this is a little tiny piece of metal with a few ridges on it. It's not, it's not complex. The enemy of your spirituality is complexity. Is people saying, oh, you have to do this, you have to do this, you have to do this, you have to do this. And Jesus says, slow down, let me make it real, real simple. You decide who God is. And you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he says, in order to do that, you're going to have to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Here's how I like to visualize it. Like, imagine a tree. Put up the tree, would you? L1 and L2. L1 means love God. Everybody over here say love God. love God. Everybody here say love others. Okay, so you say L1 is? Love God. We imagine that is the roots of the tree. And then L2, love, love others is the fruit of the tree. So it, it begins to look like this. It means that if I love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, that gives me the strength and the ability to love others. Now, if I only love others and I don't love God, I'll tell you what will happen. You'll run out of juice over here because people will make you mad. People you are kin to will make you mad. Anybody who's ever had a small brother or sister that you wish would go and be with Jesus, say amen. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Anybody ever had an older brother or sister you wish would go be with Jesus, say amen. Oh, yeah. Okay, right. In fact, one day, if God blesses you to get married... Can I say this? Uh, I think so. Um, there are moments... Now listen. I love my wife. She is intelligent. She is beautiful. She is spiritual. More spiritual than me. But every now and then... Well, like recently, my middle son got married. And he and my wife were talking. And my middle son said, Dad... Do you know that a wedding day is the most photographed day of most families' lives? And I said, well, that's that's interesting. And then he said, are you happy with the way you look? I know, it's one of those questions where you kind of go, what? And then you go, you did not just ask me that question. And I look at my wife, who says, well? What do you mean, well? Well, are you? Well, let me go in the bathroom and look at the mirror, and I'll come back and tell you. Oh, I was ticked. I said, what do you mean, Riley? He said, well, Dad, you've gained, you've gained weight. And I know, I know. He's six two. That's why he can talk that way. He said, "Dad, you've 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 gained you've gained weight in the last few years, and I don't I don't know if you you mean you know if that's the way you want to be in the pictures." I just shut it down. I said, "You know, thank you. I'll think about that. Let's eat some cookies." So I, I 
that night, Riley, Riley went home because he has his own apartment. He's 26 years old. He goes home and, and, and I'm getting ready for bed. You know, I'm brushing my teeth and I'm noticed when I'm brushing my teeth, everything jiggles and I'm thinking, hmm. my wife comes in and starts brushing her teeth. And I said, sweetheart, why didn't you tell Riley that that was none of his business? And she takes the toothbrush out of her mouth and says, Do I really have to tell you? Let me be clear. Even the people you love the most, sometimes you think, Oh, Jesus is waiting on you right now. I love my wife. But at that moment, oh, oh, I was... T- and then it got worse because she, she and I made a, a commitment that we would both lose weight. And so we had all these foods that are... I mean, they're great foods. God made foods like ice cream. And, and we marked them off all our diet. My killer food, oh, Lord have mercy. My killer food is peanut butter. I know. Oh, some good peanut butter, just a little scoop, just even on a spoon. It's, I'm sorry, it's addiction time. So, um, my wife told me that um, you can lose weight by eating celery. So, she bought celery for us. This is really actually true. You ready for this? This is a bizarre thing. Ask your parents if they know this. If you eat celery, it takes more calories to chew the celery. You expend more energy chewing up the celery than the celery gives you. So, if you ate celery all day, you would lose weight, even though you ate as much celery as you wanted to, which is weird. So, my wife buys celery. So I get a piece of celery and I think, okay, I can do this. I, instead of grabbing potato chips or something, I'll eat celery. Well, I cut the celery, you know, in, in a big old long piece. And, and Have you ever eaten just, just celery? It's like, no. I mean, really? You need ranch dressing? And I look, she wouldn't have any ranch dressing. Well, then I realized, wait a minute. There's something God made to fit in celery. In fact, in fact the celery is even shaped. God made it that way. So there's this place for the peanut butter to go. And do you, okay, when you do that, you put the peanut butter in and then scrape the top off, that's wrong. It's supposed to be round so it's, so it's uniform. So the, the bottom is round and then a lump of peanut butter on the top. Oh my goodness. So I fixed up four of those bad boys on a plate, you know, lining them up, big old humps of peanut butter, and my wife walks in. What is that? I said, I'm eating celery. You said celery was good. You can't have the peanut butter on it. Well, babe, you're not supposed to eat the peanut butter. You said you wouldn't do it. Okay, before the K is off of my tongue, she's grabbed the plate. Boom, it's in the trash. You did not do that before I could argue you out of it. You, you You did not do that before I could justify eating. All this is going on in my head. But, a long time ago, I made a decision that changed everything. I decided that I'm not going to love my wife, or my sons, or my mom or dad, because they're pleasing me, or because they're worth it, or because I like them today. 
I unlock something with the help of God's Word that has been so useful. I unlock the fact that you're number one. And if I love you, because I know you love me, God, if I love you and put you first, then I've got all of the love I need to love my wife. Not because she's making me happy right now, but because you know what, God, I love you, and so I'm going to love her for you. And I'm going to love my kids for you. And I'm going to love people who I don't even like or agree with for you. It, it, it's not complex. But it is a secret that you have to have a key to unlock. And the key is, well, <laughs> it's one thing, isn't it? It's who is number one. Tonight, I'd like you to ask this question of you. Who's number one? Who or what is number one in your life? Because I imagine if I followed you around, for some of you it would be video games are number one. What makes you think that? Because that's where he spends all his time. Or music is number one. Why do you think so? Because that's what she listens to more than anything else. For some of you, it might be Netflix. (laughs) Or Hulu. Or just whatever's on TV is number one. Why? Because she spends a whole lot more time there. He spends a whole lot more time there. For some of you, your cell phone is number one. Or your dad or mom's cell phone when you snag it from them. For others of you, it may be hanging with friends or Pokemon Go or... Yeah, 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 yeah. So, you need to understand that Satan would love to give you any other key but this one. Because when you take this key, then you have unlocked the secret to life. By saying, God, you're going to be number one. And when I'm on a date and struggling to know what to do, I'm just going to say, well, you're number one. I'll do it your way. Or when I'm mad at my parents or frustrated with my little brother or my wife or my son, instead of doing what I want to do, I'm going to say, wait a minute. I've already decided God's number one. When I'm tempted with drugs or alcohol, or you, you fill in the blank. When somebody sends me a link... Click here for unbelievable hot pictures. I'm tempted. I want to see what they are. But I already made a decision. I made a decision that because God is number one, I'm going to let him make the decisions. I stumble and I fall. But praise God, because I made the decision that God is number one, I have a Savior who says, I'm going to cover all of that. Because we're not going to heaven because we get it done perfectly. We're going to heaven because we have a perfect Jesus who loved us enough to die on the cross for us. Amen? Yeah, he's worthy. He's worthy of all the praise. And quite frankly, he bought the key with his life. So tonight, I've only got... 
one of these here in my hand, and it will take way too long for me to start going down the row. So instead, we've got, I think, enough of these for anybody who wants one to have one. Actually, if you pull one out, you get two. There's a reason for that. Because this key is so precious and wonderful. Jesus says, take one for somebody else. Because we've all got friends who need the key. Can I get it? Oh, yeah? Okay. So here's how we're going to end tonight's lesson. I'm going to take this huge box filled with keys. And I'm going to put it down here. And the band is going to join me on stage. And as they come out, they're going to get ready to lead us in a song. In fact, guys, if you're there, rock and roll and come on down. This is an awkward moment. So I'm going to do my best to de-awkward it, okay? There will be a desire when the band starts playing after I say this prayer for some who will immediately say, you know what, I need, to make, I need to make Jesus number one in my life. Some of you have never been baptized into Christ. You've never made that commitment. Others of you have already done that, but you've, well, you've taken other keys and you feel all locked up. <laughs> then there are some of you who are saying, you know what, I need, to, I need to put Jesus first because I need that second key. I've got friends who don't know Christ and I have not been sharing with them. But as those kids get up and say, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take a key, you maybe sit next to them going, well, dude, everybody's doing this. Is this so just like, is everybody supposed to do this? Is this what I do because the guy on this side does it and the, and the girl on this side does it? And the answer is no. I, I really want to ask you what you want to say to God tonight. And if what you're ready to say to God is, okay, Lord, I want to start this weekend with this commitment. You are one. You're the only God. You're the one true God. You are the number one God. Because there's none else. In my life, you're number one. Now, everybody's going to see that. In fact, to make sure everybody sees it, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Bring your lock with you when you come up. Unlock it. And then, leaving the keys hanging, I'd like you to go over and just hang them on this fence that's right here next to it. So whether we end up with, you know, 10 locks or 100 locks or 1,000 locks, just, just hang them on the fence. And then go back and sit down and pause a moment and reflect. Because tonight, in your small groups, I'm going to ask your group leader to ask you, what is your number one? If you went to get a key, Why? What is it that you're needing to say, God, I need to put you number one in this area of my life? Maybe it's that he hasn't been number one with your money or your time. Maybe he hasn't been number one with where you put your eyes. Maybe it's the way you treat your family. I, I don't know, but I do know this. The problem is not how many keys we've got in that box. 
The problem is the last thing Satan wants you to do is to unlock this secret. You know what I used to think? I used to think that Satan's goal was to get you to disbelieve God. No. Satan doesn't care if you believe in God. He just wants you to have God stacked up along with everything else. I got school. I got my, you know, girlfriend or boyfriend. Uh, I've got my job. I've got my club, my, my hobbies. Oh, and I've got church. Oh, and I've got God. You see, he's just one among all these. Jesus says you can't do that with God. Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Bow with me, would you? Father, as I stand in front of this box of keys that are just pieces of metal, Lord, for us tonight, I ask you to help them symbolize something important. God, I want to pray about some young men that are sitting in this audience right now. Young men who, I don't know, one day they may be on this stage leading worship or or sharing the lesson. Or or, or maybe they will have, have brought a group to a place like this. Father, some of them will be Christian doctors or lawyers or TV repairmen. Some of them will work in government. Some of them will be sports announcers. Others of them will be down on the field. And others of them will be in the stands and... Father, you're preparing them to be your men. But Satan has other ideas. And so, God, he will distract them with anything so that you're not first. God, I pray that when the band plays this song, there'll be some young men who will step out and who will take a key, not because the guy next to him is doing it, but because they tonight want to say, Lord, you're number one. Some of them will be doing it and then later talking to their youth minister about what it means to be baptized into Christ. Others, Father, will do it because they were baptized uh, earlier this year or last year or the year before. and And they've got a step they need to take of putting you first in an area where you haven't been first. Father, will you give them the courage to step past Satan and respond tonight? Father, I want to pray for some wonderful young ladies that are in this audience. Young ladies who are going to be Christian leaders of the future. Some of them may be on this stage. Playing in a band, leading worship, giving a message. Or maybe they're the ones that brought a group here. Some of them will be doctors, Christian lawyers, Christian uh, technicians. Some of them may be announcing the game or playing on the team or up in the stands. But Father, wherever they are... Lord, I pray that Satan is defeated tonight and that that young lady walks up and takes a key and says, I want to unlock the mystery of saying who's number one. And Father, whether a guy or a girl, whether an adult or a teen, Lord, as each one of them turns the key in this little lock, may they say out loud, Jesus is my number one. And Father, may it become their mantra. And may Satan be defeated because of it, I pray. And in Jesus' holy name, we all say, Amen.